Bedknobs and Broomsticks, starring the incomparable Angela Lansbury. My first broom. As Miss Eglantine Price, who takes a correspondence course in witchcraft. And David Tomlinson. As Professor Emilius Brown, a lovable London con man. Three homeless cockney waifs who alone can help Eglantine find the missing spell. Their search is supersonic. Their adventures are ultra fantastic. For some reason, we have great difficulty finding referees round here. And her magic is enchanting. Oh, Charlie! It's grand when you're dancing on the sea. Angela Lansbury. Bobbing along, singing a song on the boat. In Walt Disney Productions' most magical motion picture, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's family entertainment. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hello. Hello, everybody out there listening in quarantine world. This is our first episode <laughs> that we're practicing social distancing through a podcast. Yes, indeed. Oh, we're making it work, everybody. Of course. And we picked a perfect movie to start out with, too. Yes, for indeed. It. Yes, indeed. Well, listeners, as always, I'm Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. Yay. Special quarantine edition. Special quarantine. Well, we're going to have quite a few of these. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show you guys. This is lots of fun. So we invited. Well, we were supposed we were supposed to talk to our guests in person, but uh, world events yeah. kept us from doing it. But we can still do a FaceTime call yes, and indeed. talk about bed knobs and broomsticks from 1971 with our friend Darren Elms. Yay. Hello, welcome back Thanks to the show. Back, guys. You were the back. first guest that we had on the show. You did Xanadu. Oh, yeah, I know. You were our very first guest. We're like in yeah. the 40s now, so we're. Going on 50 episodes. <laughs> We've moved up a few decades now. Here In, we are. Yeah, indeed, Our- indeed. But you're you're not on our couch. You're not joining us from uh, f- from the ca- from the couch with the cats. Uh, we are live via FaceTime. Thank you very. How much. are you holding yeah, up during yes. all this? Happy to be here. I mean, yeah. How are you holding up during all this? How, <laughs> how's this been treating you? I don't know. I think I'm doing okay. I mean, it gets to my head sometimes, but you know, I've been pra- practicing social distancing for a while in right. my life. I feel like yeah. it's um, part of my identity. But you know, I um, I'm doing okay. You know, most of my family and friends are doing all right, and you know, we're just doing the best we can with a very strange situation and circumstance. You know, yeah. It's, it's, I'll tell you that the egg. I'll tell you yeah. that the egg situation at Trader Joe's. I held some eggs for you a few weeks ago, and now it's <laughs> really did. it's really bounced back now. That was oh a weird. I know that was I'm a weird week. Supermarket and they're everywhere. It's crazy. But yeah, we I think so, that so kind. Everyone just heard that people were buying eggs, so everyone just flocked to the grocery store. Yeah, to buy eggs that they probably didn't need. 
But we've yeah. since bounced back. Yes. Yes. But, Thank you so much. But like you mentioned, I mean, now is the uh, introvert's time to shine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. we've been practicing Indeed. our whole lives. <laughs> And I, and and I, I feel pray- like, you know, this is appropriate, this this what we're doing, because the main character to me is the ultimate inter- introvert. Absolutely. Oh, and goodness. I, I, I feel like I got a lot of my introversion support from her as a child. You know, I looked at her and saw her as a role model for someone who could get it done on her own, you know? This is true. So I definitely have a past with this movie. I loved this movie as, as a little boy. I don't even remember the first time I saw it. Like, I think that I would have had to have just watched it on the Disney Channel when I was super young. And I think for its initial first home video release in the 90s, my mom bought it and it was just on steady rotation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Darren? So I, you know, I was born in 74. So I, I first was exposed to this movie probably in the late 70s. We had something called On TV. I think it was called. I remember On TV. Cable, you know, you select. TV, on TV, and HBO. So we had on TV, and I'm pretty sure that my dad recorded it off um, that. So we had it on tape for ourselves as early as when I was about four or five years old. So that was my first time seeing it. I didn't see it in the theater because that, you know, the yeah. release, you know, predated me. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a big part of our life growing up. I mean, we watched that movie probably every year at some point, kind of like Mary Poppins. We also had Grease, you know, Xanadu, of course. Yeah. We had these movies that we just watched over and over again that were, you know, 70s, you know, recordings. And I so. grew up on all of the old live action Disney movies, too. Like all of them, like oh, yeah. that darn cat, oh. Apple Dunkling Gang, yeah. um, Witch Mountain, oh, Witch yeah. Mountain, all so that. good, Mary Poppins, yeah. like all of them. And what's super fun now about Disney Plus is that they're all there. I straight up, Pete had not seen (laughs) That Darn Cat with Haley Mills, and we sat down and watched that that weird movie when you go back and revisit it. No, I watched it too. Yeah. (laughs) I totally watched it. Rowdy McDowell playing straight. Elsa Lancaster was just, I forgot how funny she is in that movie. She's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I love Haley Mills. I mean, she's, you know, a huge part of my identity also growing up. But I mean, (laughs) there's some some little parts in that in that movie that I completely forgot about as a kid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do. Rem- I do remember as a kid watching um, the the cat from outer space. That was that was one of the one like Disney live action movies that I was like, oh my god, this is too weird. <laughs> I used to love the Million Dollar Some Duck with with uh, Sandy Duncan. <laughs> love the Million Dollar Duck. Oh yeah. And who was the guy that oh, was yeah. in all of them? It was um, Dean Jones. Dean Jones. Dean Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Also the original Bobby and Company. Which is oh. interesting. He had a, a past in there as well. So he, yeah, he was mostly known for Disney movies. You know? Interesting, Pete. When Lots did you first watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Uh, I can't recall exactly when, but I remember my sister and I, uh, as kids, watching it and just being, just thinking that it was like, thinking that it was like Mary Poppins for kids who read books. I don't know. That's that a fair was statement. that was kind of our take. Sure. We, we were just like. We're a little bit more indoorsy, um, you know, a little bit more like city, rough around the edges like these kids. And also, you know, Miss Price. Well, Mary Poppins is a very, like, stern character. And she's supposed to be very patrician and, you know, like, not super motherly. I feel like Miss Price is 
even more so that character to these kids and it takes even more <laughs> to turn her around to like eventually like become like this loving like you know caregiver for them uh but yeah something about it to me was just like okay this movie is while it's a disney movie and you know half of it or a third of it takes place like under the sea and in this animated land i just felt like this was more a little bit for yeah for for kids who are a little bit like more worldly or smarter or something. I don't know what I thought or why I thought that, but, um, yeah, uh, here in, in LA, I've, I spoke about this on the show in the past here in LA on the weekends, we had, uh, the family film festival on KTLA, Darren, I don't know if you remember. Sure. This. And, oh yeah. The you, Popeye guy. Yeah. The Popeye guy. <laughs> exactly. I don't remember his name, yeah. but he would like show Popeye cartoons and he would draw. And that's where we would see, Pippi Longstocking, but the ones like yeah. from Sweden that were dubbed yes, into English. With the dubbing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Those are amazing. But just like these kind of funky family movies. And uh, that's, again, Cat from Outer Space and Witch Mountain and all those weirdo Disney movies. And this was aired there a lot. And um, yeah, just something about like the bed. And we, my sister had a day bed. So we my just sister had of... a day bed too. We used to play bed yeah. noms and broomsticks a lot because we also had. A bed nom that would screw off. That would turn too. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, so jealous. Yeah. So just something. Mine do that. I mean, it wasn't a day bed in the movie, but it was this, you know, this old timey bed with like this brass frame. And so for, for for us, that was something that we were like, oh, the bed, our bed is just like that. So yeah, we would play bed knobs and broomsticks. And um, I don't know, just the fact that she was a witch. Yeah. But she was like learning by mail. I don't know. It's so crazy. <laughs> she she learns by mail order, but she's not mail. quite but she's not like a pentagram like Satan worshipping witch. No. She, yeah. She's a very family friendly witch. Practical witch. She's yeah. a practical witch. I, I think like she's think, really yeah. just learning it because she's got this big country house. You know? I she, I mean, yeah, I always like yeah, I mean, definitely, it you know fits into kind of her ambiance for sure, having that little studio and just living alone. But I, I feel like she did it for purpose. You know, she yes. yeah. she did it for a reason, and she was doing it, you know, for the war cause. And um, I don't know, I, I I kind of admire her for you know taking charge and trying to find her own, own way into something. You know, I that's always something I took from that movie. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like a very specific type of little boy was watching. <laughs> Bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh, yeah. Probably a oh, little sure. more light in their loafers. <laughs> they like to hang out with all the girls. But yeah, I would say this is the type of little boy that was either watching Bed knobs and broomsticks or tuning in to Murder She Wrote every Sunday night. Oh, That's definitely. True. And I feel like a lot of people, their first exposure, well, people of my generation, their first exposure to her was probably Murder She Wrote or yes. anyone younger than me. But this was my first exposure to Angela Lansbury and she's Same. one of my all-time favorite people ever. I mean, I've never met her. I would love to meet her. I have seen her in person, but I've never talked to her. I've always, you know, she is my gay icon. Oh, yeah. and like there are a lot of gay icons out there. She's been mine. I just find her so I don't know, charming, lovely, um talented and and a, a little bit weird. She's not like conventionally beautiful right. or, you know, or glamorous, but yet she plays these kind of campy, fun parts throughout her life and character roles. And it's just so interesting to me and has done so many different things. I just think she's incredible. And know? she's like a remnant of like old Hollywood. I mean, she was making movies in like the 40s, like Gaslight that she got an Oscar nomination. That yes. was like, what, like 43? 
And it's yes. like, there's not very many of them left anymore. Yeah. Nope. Nope. She's definitely one of the few left. And I was just thinking about the uh, last night because I was watching Murder, She Wrote. And, you know, she had so many different people from her 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 life on that show, yep, right. you know, from actors from the 40s, 30s, 40s, well, probably 40s, 50s, and that she would bring on, you know, as like guest stars on the show. And I'm just thinking, all these people are gone. She's the only mm-hmm. one yeah. left. She's, she outlived them all. As yeah. we all knew it's like her, but. Ava Marine Saint, uh, and then uh, Olivia de Havilland. <laughs> They're like the last yeah, woman standing. Olivia, yeah. God bless. <laughs> She's still, still ticking. Yeah. We were we were talking last night just offhandedly, um, just kind of a throwaway remark as we were watching Murder She Wrote. Do you think she passed on on Harry Potter? Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. You know, I offered she's it British. To her. I don't yeah. think of her as British, but mm-hmm. she, you know, she's been in America most of her life. I yep. will, you know, at least her performing life, and I never even think of her as being like one of those British actors that would be in Harry Potter. She's but a that's very good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they probably, you know, offered it to her very early on and she was just like, how many movies did you say? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I've done the wish. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like those. Next. I like that interview that she gave or like a statement about the the new Beauty and the Beast. And she was pretty much just like, why? <laughs> I agree the 91 her on one sorry, was but... perfect enough. Why? <laughs> But she's right. I mean, come on. Let's be original. Do something new. It's yeah. not, you know, I get it. It's a good story. And I know a new generation needs to see it. But I'm sorry. All the kids are watching the original cartoon as well. You know? Yeah, this is true. Do you uh, do you have a, a favorite Angela uh, Lansbury role or performance? Oh, God. Um, it's <laughs> probably this. Just because this is the most sentimental to me. Sure. I, I don't know. There's something about... Englantine Price's character that I really relate to. I yeah. I don't know if it, if it's you know if it happened accidentally or from watching this or just it's who I am. But I I, I really see a lot of myself in how she lived and how she does things. You know, she's she's private. She's a self starter. She mm-hmm. doesn't really like kids. You know, at least in the beginning, but has a warm <laughs> place for them by the end. You know, she's a little bit, she's a little kooky, you know, she's into witchcraft. Not that I'm into witchcraft, but I just, I love that, that she's, I don't know, like she's kind of different and fun. And, yeah. and I, you know, in the beginning of the movie, she comes across as a little bit of a hard character and very aloof, but right. we learned that she's not really like that. She's actually a really lovely, warm person. She's just her own individual. And I kind of relate to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She has a beautiful Oceanside house. <laughs> this cottage. Yes. Oh, my God. That property. <laughs> yeah. So did you yeah. know that the cut scenes with Rowdy McDowell, he's after the house? Oh, is he? Re- that yeah. makes sense. So there's, there's numerous deleted you know? scenes of this movie that have showed up in multiple cuts of it. Because that's the thing is that there is a cut of this that's like probably two hours and 45 minutes. And they scaled it down the two hours, but they lifted entire subplots. And Rowdy McDowell That's what I has heard. scenes yeah. where he's talking to the woman that, like, kind of – she works in, like, the post office and stuff. He's talking about yes. – and she mentions it to him that he wants her house. So that's, like, mm. part of the the weird kind of scenes where he's dropped in and he'll, he'll just appear. I guess that he's after her, after yeah. her Oceanside real estate. <laughs> See, I always thought as a kid that he was had like kind of a crush on her or wanted yeah. to know like her attention or affection. I mean, they don't really play that up that much. But no. I was like, well, why else is he? Is he really? Because he says something about like, 
like the spiritual needs of the children or something. I mean, right. that's bullshit. I mean, you know what I mean? There yeah. was something else going on. Cause he's now like, we know. Cause he's like a reverend or something, right? Yeah. He's a pastor, yeah, a reverend, a pastor, or, yeah. but he's not a like a priest. Or whatever yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, he wants that seaside property. I mean, who wouldn't? Oh, mm-hmm. who wouldn't? I I don't blame him. You know, I, it's pretty. I love pretty the. Sweet. I love that her first uh, on-screen appearance is on this uh, motorcycle with the sidecar. You know, and there's like smoke. <laughs> there's like a sulfur smoke following yeah. it. Yeah, and it's just like that. Just uh, plays along to her just like quirky interesting character that you were talking so much about you know it's just like oh, she's definitely this person that the rest of the townspeople are like oh my god here comes this one you know <laughs> she's weird she's yeah. a loner you yeah. know she's you know she's different she's her own person i love that and yeah. i mean she's an outsider and i feel like i was an outsider growing up being gay but also just kind of being a little bit of an introvert being yeah. kind of creative and weird you know it's like i identified with her because yeah. i thought she was pretty great and she's a heroine in this movie and pretty awesome so yeah for sure for so sure. before we get too into the movie i wanted to give some background with walt disney and the production of this movie just to kind of move ourselves into the story sure. so walt disney purchased the rights to this and i believe mary poppins i don't know if they were around the same time but they were around this but they were kind of within a few months or years of each other. And that was in 1945. And as they went into production of Mary Poppins, he was sort of, he had this movie on his mind as they were making a lot of that movie. As we uh, kind of know about the production of Mary Poppins, P.L. Travers was not particularly very uh, kind of, smooth to work with and she would often stonewall production and he kind of kept this movie on the back burner of if everything completely goes south with mary poppins we can always just sort of recast this movie and make bed knobs and broomsticks and he even had Mm. the sherman brothers writing some of the songs as they were making mary poppins and there's even songs that were supposed to be in mary poppins that ended up in this movie the beautiful Briny, I believe, was written with Mary Poppins in mind, and then it just ended up in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And then the production of Mary Poppins went off, so this went on the back burner for a few years, and then it kind of went back into production in the late 60s, and they offered the role to Julie Andrews. She said no, because it was too similar to what had what she had done, so they pursued other actresses. I believe Lynn Redgrave was on the shortlist of possible... Uh, hmm. As, like other actresses to be considered. I even read Faye Dunaway too, which I don't know if I could read Faye oh Dunaway God. in this movie. <laughs> like, let alone kind oh of God. working with children or singing. I just don't no. think that would have worked out. And well, it wouldn't there would have been got... a book about the making of that film out by yeah. now, for sure. If, she that, she, if Faye Dunaway played her. Faye would have eventually been fired uh, just like she was on Sunset Boulevard when they discovered that she actually can't sing. God. So... <laughs> I believe oh. Judy Carney was Judy Carney in Laughing. Yes. So Judy Carney was pretty close to getting the role. She even did test recordings of of some of the songs. Hmm. There's a song circulating online of some of her test recordings, and then they landed on Angela. And right when they cast Angela, Julie Andrews actually reached out to Disney, like that she wanted to reconsider it just because her career owns a lot, like owes a lot to Walt Disney and that, and that company. I'm um, just kind of where kind of it really made her career in the sixties. So she went back and said, I'll still do it, but they had already cast Angela. Oh, wow. So 
And I did not know that. It's kind of interesting when you read a little bit about An- Angela Lansbury's kind of uh, what she thinks about this movie. And I don't really think that she cares for it all that much. <laughs> I read quotes that Aww. she calls her performance very by the numbers. And I know that she did not like doing the special effects work in it. I think. For yeah, me, she's mm-hmm. I, she's very much. I, you know what I've noticed on Murder, She Wrote? I'm just going to throw this in there. Yeah. <laughs> Watching it now. So many of like the I know she wouldn't do her own stunts, but there are so many doubles yes. of Angela Lansbury, of Jessica Fletcher running around in that show. She like wants to be in the acting. She doesn't really want to do much of the other stuff. Sure. You know, I, I think she's you know when she's on camera and it's about her. Yes, she's all in, but the other stuff she just isn't that in. You know, I think she's very much a theater actress, very much into the craft and the performance and the rest of that stuff just doesn't really appeal to her. That's the vibe I'm getting watching this show. Yeah. And this movie also kind of had pioneering special effects work. They were working on early, early like blue screen stages, too. And they're probably very particular of how they would shoot scenes, knowing that some of these would be animated. And there's a lot of just marionette and special effect work going on. And I could see Angela just kind of being a little impatient that it might upstage her performance or the process of acting too. Yes. Totally. Uh, Scott and I both uh, listen off and on to the RuPaul podcast and he very much loves murder. She wrote and has mentioned the body double thing. And he did. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. I thought I was crazy. No, he mentioned it it so much. He said that, just what you said. He said, keep an eye on, on, on Jessica, and if you don't see her face that it's Angela, it's probably not Angela. He's right. And I was just – I couldn't believe that. I was like, I don't buy it. But then you just said it right now. I was like, oh, my she would go. She would go into a day of production. She would do her sides, and then she was out. That's some like that's some like uh, superstar mm-hmm. kind of shit right there. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger does that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like nobody does that anymore. That's some old school like business. Um Yeah, but I think that's what she means when she mm-hmm. refers yeah. to the acting as like by the numbers, it's like the special effects and all that stuff. Speaking of the marionettes, um as we were watching the movie yesterday, um there was uh the cre- the credits at the beginning, there was something about like um a special effects consultants or something like that and in there was Bob Baker. And I was wondering if it was like the Bob Baker from like L.A., like the marionette theater. Oh, because yeah. Because there are so much Maybe. You know why? Because so much there puppetry. is the substitutionary locomotion is all yeah. puppets. You don't think about it that way, but it, mm-hmm. it probably is. Yeah, and, it's, and so much of it is, is marionette puppets, and that's what his what his company specializes in. And, I, and it's yeah. spelled Baker with just one K the way his name is spelled. So I was like, I bet you that that's Bob Baker like from, you know, from L.A., from the – the you know the puppet theater but i don't know i could be wrong it could be just a complete coincidence when i just happened to mention or just i notice that i want to believe it is yeah right I'm yeah <laughs> so all right so where were we in this movie so yeah so we get the introduction of these cockney children what does the trailer call them oh yeah it called <laughs> I forget what they what it calls them. They call them orphans for one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that these kids kind of have this sad backstory that the movie kind of skips over. And when you watch the deleted scenes where they're having dinner with Ms. Price, they sort of go into that their parents are dead. So are their parents dead? Their parents are dead. They okay. say that in the deleted scene. And the woman that was taking care of them 
died like a week before in a bombing. Oh, Jesus. Too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing about like the start of this movie. It's like, uh, you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's just that thing that in the, you know, during World War II in London, London was being bombed. So they took the kids and they sent them out to the country to just live with strangers. And we know, you know, that happened. That was a historical thing. But they didn't specify at the beginning of the movie that these children's yeah. parents were dead. You just assume that they got sent away, you know, to go right. and, and and to live with some foster parents until the the bombing ended. But there are some scenes in the movie where they're just like, oh, well, we're going to go live on our own now. We're going to go walk back to London. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're totally bold. Like, I know. They just totally want to do their own thing. They don't want to be there. And by the way, can we discuss they are so fucking hard to understand? Like, I, even as a kid, was like, yeah. what did they just say? Yeah. I have no idea what they're talking about. There's so many, like, Cockney references about food and just oh, the way they kind of talk. We have that I can understand Angela, but I cannot understand those kids no. still. They're, I have a hard time making out what they're saying. You should, Toad Neo. You should play that clip. Yeah. I was always obsessed with all the food that they're mentioning in this scene. Yeah, their Cockney uh, accents are crazy. Some of the food is nuts. Uh, I remember my sister trying to decipher it and us trying to figure out, you know, what exactly? Bubble and squid, toad Yeah, toad, toad in the hole. We'd heard of but toad in the hole. But they say like toad in the hole. There's no consonants. I'm like, what are you saying? Yeah, but then uh, Miss Price's uh, menu is also just as bananas. Mm-hmm. So, oh yes, uh, we we can hear that now. Please don't bother to whisper. I'm exceptionally keen of hearing. You are planning to run back to London? If you have any more plotting to do, please do it elsewhere where I shan't have to listen to it. I'm afraid I don't know much about what children eat. You'll have to make do as I do. Is there anything particular that you fancy? Sausage and mash, bubble and squeak, toad in the o, fried fish. Oh, anything at all. I'm afraid you won't find any fried foods in this house. No fried food? No. How'd you keep your health? Cabbage buds, rose hips, glissop seed, elm bark, whittle yeast, and uh, stew nettles. That's some like Wiccan barefoot Contessa shit right there. <laughs> she was like vegan before it was trendy. You know, know what I mean? Like it's... she, listen. I mean, so can you just find all of these in your garden? In like your your British garden? Glissop seeds? Well, I guess <laughs> I don't know. I don't know half of what those are except for like rose hips. I know. I, mean, that... you know... <laughs> I was like, isn't that in my shampoo? Rose, I don't know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's one thing to be vegetarian. She's pushing it. Mm-hmm. She's eating bark. She said bark. Yes. <laughs> she said bark at one she point. Is, she, is, she is more <laughs> than your garden variety, you know, yeah. English lady, that's for sure. Although, let me say this. There is um, this story about uh, Audrey Hepburn and about how when she was fleeing the Nazis – and like just like running through you know the hills of like Belgium, just like very like the end of uh, Sound of Music, that she, you know that the story is crazy that she survived off of like her wits like in the woods by drinking water out of tulip bulbs. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah, drinking water out of tulip bulbs and then eating. And eating something, and it was in one of the things that she said, 
was wow. We should also mention that Angela, you know, left England for America because of the Blitz. Like they left, oh, wow. I believe, either at the beginning or during World War sure. Two, from my understanding. Yeah, so that was part of her her life story. Yeah, that's interesting. At that time, you know, yeah, I believe that she was a contract player with MGM. What? I, I think that uh, Gaslight. It's, it's Gaslight, right? That she was in? Yeah, I think that was her first Gaslight and uh, Dorian Gray, I believe, were all MGM. Mm. Yes. What about uh, Manchurian Candidate? Manchurian Candidate, I think, was like Columbia. But that was, like in, the, that was like in the early 60s when that had all gone yeah. away. I oh, also yeah. think that she should have won the Oscar for Manchurian Candidate. That's a oh, really yeah. interesting role that it kind of turns your expectations on an actress. I remember being in high school and discovering the Manchurian Candidate. And I was more familiar with like bed knobs and broomsticks, <laughs> Angela Lansbury, sure. and you see her just like being this bitchy mom and mentoring candidate, yeah. and she's so good. She lost the Oscar to um, Patty Duke. Patty Duke, yep. Oh wow, yeah, that was the deal. year she won. She won the Golden Globe, but she lost the Oscar, and she never won an Oscar except for the honorary one she got maybe like ten years ago. Um, wow. Oh, it was only other- like a like a few years ago. I remember that yeah, she it got a, it. With, I thought it was ten. I, I but yeah, it's she got it with like Angelina sure. Jolie. Yeah. I remember. Yes. Um, to, but yeah. that Oscar year is the year that Joan accepted the Oscar right. for Miracle Worker too. Because that's what Patty Duke won for. Mm-hmm. How old was Patty Duke? Fourteen. When she won, yeah, yeah. she was young. I'm Jeez. not even sure. That's crazy. My favorite uh, Oscar moment with uh, Angela Lansbury is her and B. Arthur singing. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we always see that clip whenever we go into quads. I know. I'll find that. I'll find that clip. Um, okay, so we have the the kids are now staying with with Miss Price. They're attempting to uh, plot their escape, but this is the night that she tries her hand for the first time at uh, that broomstick. So great, <laughs> Professor Amelius Brown sends her the. The broomstick, it's a part of like her lesson plan or like yeah, her coursework. Like a, yeah. mm-hmm. And he had yeah. previously gave her cosmic creepers. Yeah. I like that. Cosmic creepers. I like that little line that, that she doesn't believe in giving silly Boys names. And for dragons animals. liver, all those goodies in her in her workshop <laughs> come from him, yes. Yeah, he's so he's sending her all this stuff through the mail, and it, but it turns out that it works for her. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. kind of cool. Like she's like got the like like Huju or like whatever that it takes to like make all this like shystery like magic spells. Well, yeah, work. he's a second-rate musician. Yeah, I mean, he's a magician, and he you know is sending her all this stuff that he's assuming is just junk. You know, that's you know kind of I guess would be things you would think a, a witch would need or you know want for her thing. But she has that magic touch and actually makes them work, yeah. which is amazing. That scene though, where. uh She's fumbling around on the broom and it's it's shot in, you know, in this dark, you know, uh, barn, I guess. Mm-hmm. And this and this stunt double is like hopping around. You get some good pratfalls in that yeah. scene. Yeah, there's some really good. I did really try to look work. up uh, if I could find the woman who was her stunt double and I could not find it. Ah, well, they probably they probably didn't credit that kind of stuff. Back she then. probably went on to do her stunts and she read as well. Right. <laughs> Riding that bike around Cabot Cove. Mm-hmm. We always get so excited in the Universal Tour when they go in Cabot Cove 
I feel like we always <laughs> cheer right. whenever they mention Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> How many seasons did that show last? Very, like, a lasted probably oh, until, like, God. 92 or so. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was almost 10 years, if not more, I think. Wow. It was a long time. That's insane. She and that's never won like... an Emmy for that either. She uh, what? was nominated, I think, every single year. Oh, my God. She's kind of like the Susan Lucci of the, of the, you know, the evening Emmys. Yeah. She, um, she never won. And I remember one time watching it towards the end. And, you know, they go to each actress as they're announcing it. And yeah. she just looked so just like, seriously, again, I'm not going to win. Right. <laughs> like you could see it on her face. She was kind of pissed. And then she didn't win. You know, oh and I was like, gosh. yep, there you go. That show was so insane because it didn't really have a core cast other than her, right? Because every every it episode was, it was yeah. her and the sheriff. Sometimes the sheriff Tom Bosley, Tom Bosley, and then it was replaced by a guy who actually um, was a parent uh, of one of the kids at my grade school. So oh, wow. I remember seeing him a lot. Ooh. The one who took over for um, for Tom Bosley, but okay. and then you know there was like Seth, her friend, who was in oh, sometimes. But yeah, Seth, that was it. She. Right. You know, and some cousins, and I think her nephew was in a lot, a few of them. Grady, I think I need, he showed up. I need to times. see like a yeah. like a family tree flowchart of all of Jessica, oh. and her nieces and nephews and <laughs> sisters so and uncles yes. and aunts. <laughs> well, last night the episode I watched was great because she plays her cousin as well, Emma McGill, who is a British like kind of a. I don't know how to describe it, like a music hall performer, like a very old-timey music hall performer. So they gave her red hair and all the Mrs. You know, the Mrs. Lovett makeup. Ooh. It was so great because she got to play kind of that type of character, which she was known for, you yeah. know, and instead of playing kind of the more, you know, clean-cut, straight-laced kind of Jessica Fletcher. It was kind of great. That's really cool. Speaking of the Miss Lovett, it's interesting when you hear her voice and singing and just her vocal range. She's doing something completely different singing Sondheim as she is singing the Sherman Brothers, which I think is pretty yes. cool. Of When you listen to The Worst Pies in London and how she delivers that, and then when she's singing a substitutionary locomotion, it's just kind of different ways of singing. I think that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's incredible. She's an incredible actress. She has so much range. She's done so many different things. I mean, one of the most fascinating things about her, just an actress, and I know we're getting off of bed knobs here, oh, but fine. I, you know, she played characters that were much older than her when she was young. Mm-hmm. When she was in her 30s and 40s, she was playing like moms of actors. Like I think Lawrence Harvey in Manchurian yeah. Candidate was within a few years of her age and she was playing his, you know, his mother. She was doing, she was kind of typecast as that kind of like, you know, kind of dour, kind of older you know, scary mom character for a while. And, yeah. you know, she kind of had a reboot when she did MAME in, you know, on Broadway in the 60s. It was kind of this vivacious, sexy, fun role that she got to play. And just to see her go from these different types of characters throughout her career, no matter what age she was, I just think it's fascinating, her her trajectory. Yeah, for sure. I forgot that she was in MAME. Do yeah. you think that she held it against Lucy? <laughs> that, oh god well, that you got the movie the over movie, which is a shame it was yeah. not very good you know yeah but i would have loved to have seen her in the movie but oh well and angela and b arthur were also kind of best squirrel friends right you always see all the all these pictures of them together yeah they got along mm-hmm. i don't know how many people b got along with but they I liked was, each other yeah i was gonna say yeah. that's that's kind of uh good on angela because i could see them yeah. both talking shit about lucy at like the Golden Globes, numerous years. Totally, totally. <laughs> oh man. Well, 
Okay, so how do we figure? How does the the bed knob itself become like? Well, she gets the letter that Roddy McDowell delivers that um, they're closing down the College of the Mail Order School of Witchcraft, mm-hmm. and the kids have found out that uh, this woman is a witch. We saw her flying, so the attempt to sort of blackmail her. It doesn't really work per se, but uh, she ends up giving them a spell as like collateral, and it's okay. the, and it's the traveling spell, oh, and that's okay. what they use to go to London. Right. And Paul needs something of his that's like on his person, mm-hmm. and that's when he pulls out all those little things. Lovely, lovely bit, bit of string. Lovely bit of string. <laughs> a broken piece of glass <laughs> and his pocket and this giant bed knob. Mm-hmm. That he just had, and yeah, a giant bed knob in this like you know <laughs> six year old's pocket, which is as big as his hand. Yeah, so that's okay. <laughs> it also is filled with broken glass, and string, broken glass, and string. I always used to love the song that she sings right before they get on the bed when they're talking about um, oh, the age where of... they're talking about Charlie. Yeah, and the age of not believing. I love that song. It's, it's very one. sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's eleven, mm-hmm. right? So he's like eleven going on twelve. Eleven going on twelve. So he's like not not ready to. Okay, so he's gonna stay right, and they're like getting on the on the boat on the boat, getting on the bed, and like getting their like hair all tied up, and they're like babushkas or whatever, and like <laughs> the spell is starting, and this cat. All right, this yeah. show cat, oh, cosmic creepers, cosmic creepers. But what these? What this production probably put this. Poor show cat through to like mat that hair. <laughs> you got to get him greased up like, before before did, filming. What did they rub this cat down? Because that cat looks so jacked up. That is one jacked up pussy. He is just <laughs> he is a mess. His but, one, I mean, hysterical though. Oh, really funny as a kid. Yeah, I thought he was really funny. His oh yeah, timing was impeccable. Yeah, great. He's got like these mats like falling off him his one ear is folded down scott thought his one ear was like clipped but it's like folded down you know his tail's all scraggly and i'm just like got a lazy eye (laughs) his broken tail he's like yeah the tail's all like crunchy mangy he's a mangy beast but i'm just like and kind of mean he's mean and kind of hissy oh yeah he's like but also very skeptical of her which i love i always loved cosmic's kind of like he looks at her kind of with a raised eyebrow like seriously bitch you're That's gonna do true. this yeah. and, you know he constantly questions her choices yeah which i think is really funny yeah he's like i live in this house with you you know but i got sent to you i'm not your cat quite yet but yeah and it's kind of her only friend like he <laughs> talks to the cat about how to ride the broom you know she's like am i doing this right he's yeah. like nah, i don't know they, they cut to the cat shaking his head yes like he's like saying mm-hmm. no it's like no yeah <laughs> no Scott was like, how did they do that? I was like, they probably had like four or five. And they're like, this one's really good at like gestures. Like he'll shake his head. He'll like nod up and down. But this one's really good at like hissing and growling. You know? Yes. They probably had different ones to do different things. But just the amount of whatever motor oil, whatever they put in that cat's hair to make it look like. Because it doesn't, it seems like if you give that cat a good wash, it's not the kind of cat that would get mats. They just created them to make him look 
you know, grungy for sure. the movie. So yeah. plus it's like, you know, it's a time frame, you know, that PETA wasn't on set, like monitoring what they're doing to this poor cat. So there may have been a cat wrangler. They did whatever they needed to make this cat look as gross as possible. Time to wax the cat. Yeah. Time to get the wax. Yeah. Get out the, the oil and lube up this cat before yeah. filming every day. Yeah. It, it was successful though. He looked down his little ear. Yeah. Yeah, did they like they folded it down like with a paper clip? I don't know how they made that like that ear stay that way, but you know whatever, whatever they did, uh, it was not monitored by the humane successful. society. Yes. But it was successful and it made us laugh. Controversial, as kids. but yeah. successful. Yeah, but that that's all that counts. It made us laugh as kids, as kids. Totally, and to this day. So they take off on the bed on this acid trip. This is kind of like the same stuff that they did in in, uh, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, it gets very psychedelic. Yes, indeed. For a um, moment. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really cool, though, the way that at first it's just like, okay, we're now we're just flying above like the country, but it's like, okay, we got to get to London. So it's just now it's just like warp speed. And it's, like, it's going through the the black hole thing from from 2001 yes uh but yeah it's super psychedelic like all the colors are changing like the it's got like that watery like you know like waterfall effect like on the lens and like um yeah it is very reminiscent of willy wonka and and you know with all the psychedelic colors and all that but this is the same year right so I think what so. Year is this? Yeah, close. I think mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, Willy Wonka may Early have been 70s? 1970. I th- and this is 71. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 1970, right? Um, so yeah, so very close as far as like special effects wise. But it was, but successful because that's the thing. You're like, how are they going to get that? How are they going to get that uh, bed through that window? <laughs> but it's like, eh, it's magic. Yeah, it's magic. It's like special effects and and voodoo. But uh, eventually we get to London and it's like completely oh, covered in dust. Never mind. Fog. Willy Wonka and this came out the same year, 71. See that? Mm-hmm. There you go. But Willy Wonka was produced by like a serial company. So it was like not produced mm-hmm. by a major motion picture studio. So probably not any of the same people working on it. At any rate, we, we land in uh, like disgusting London. Looks pretty gross. London... As shot on a soundstage. I mean, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it has that awesome London fog, and the kids are like, see, smell that, like, fresh London air. That nice suey air. Can't you smell it? <laughs> so, yeah, suey air. <laughs> it's all full of soot. And uh, But this leads to this crazy Portobello Road sequence. Well, they find Emilius Brown, and they find out that he's pretty much a con man, like a... Uh, Yes. Like a kind of a down-on-his-luck magician that's just been making an extra income squatting in this abandoned mansion. With a bomb Mm -hmm. that's undetonated in the front yard, yes. And so they're they're trying to find the complete spell from his book where he's been sending her all of the class information. That's kind of... What they're pursuing for most of the movie. Yeah, she wants that spell. That's the whole reason is that she went to London. She needs that spell for her. We haven't learned yet what she's going to do with it, but yeah. she says it's important for the war effort. And she needs this particular spell that's in the Spells of Astaroth book. Um, I love Which the, he has half of. I, and yes. I, I love the musical scene because he kind of sees that she can make this magic work. 
and his intentions is he's going to take her on the road as his yeah, assistant. Yeah, he's going to make her his like, sidekick. And yeah. she's going to be pretty much call, making yeah. all of the magic happen for real, but he's going to take right. credit for it. Yes. So they sing their little Eglantine song on the bookshelves. Super oh, yeah. cute. I remember as a kid just being like, Eglantine. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking That's that was definitely so an funny. old person name. Yes. <laughs> I just thought that was, me and my sister thought it was so funny as kids that her name was Eglantine. I'd call her Eglantine. She'd be like, shut up. <laughs> I do love the, uh, the Emilius Brown and his like uh, poster, you know, of himself and the his magician's assistant woman in this like very like circus, you know, showgirl this, kind of outfit Yeah, the showgirl <laughs> with the headdress and all that. And yep. you just kind of at that moment you see the woman in the painting and you're just like, "Okay, I see I see where this is going." And then cut to later on in the movie where he sees this like ghostly visage yeah. of like Angela. That was and, probably a fun day on set when oh they had to do God. that one. <laughs> Is she walking like the track down the train tracks? Like yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just slowly walking down the train track in the full showgirl outfit. Oh my god. Yes. Perfection. <laughs> so they're gonna go to Portobello Road because there's a lot of book vendors on Portobello Road that they can right, maybe we're find half the book. Right. Right. We're missing half the book, mm-hmm. and that's where she thinks the spell is in that second half of the book, which is missing. Right. And the whole reason he didn't send it to her to begin with because he didn't have it. Which I guess that um, book vendors would just sell half of an old <laughs> antique book. Totally. I guess. It's got to be a Portobello Road. Of I mean, course. Let's go. Everything's you know? there. So this port- this Portobello Road sequence, I mean, only in the 70s would you halt almost 10 minutes of your movie with <laughs> a so- song and dance numbers. I love that. You ne- would never see that in a movie today. Yeah. And wasn't it a lot longer? Yes, I, it was. I, and- I kind of remember that the the I believe that they edited it down because I've seen the unedited version. Same, yeah. and it's the order is different for the sequences. It's much longer, but the one that's on Disney Plus right now is the one that I always watched as a kid, mm-hmm. which is the shortened version. That was just like the home video release, and I believe in the longer cut, the dancers from the different countries more interact with themselves too, with okay. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I always love that dance sequence just because I feel like what I love about this movie as well is it's such a portrait of English history. I mean, you have the Bayo Tapestry mm-hmm. in the beginning, which yeah. is like, you know, yeah. Anglo-Saxon like history, which is the beginning of everything. You know, it's inspired by that. You know, then, of course, it's this moment in their history with the Blitz. But then you have all the different cultures of the colonies of yeah. the England that are dancing. It like gives you know well Scotland's not a colony but you have Irish you have Scottish you have Indian yeah. you have the Caribbean um, all these different pieces of of the English um, Empire which yeah. I think is so cool that they chose to do that I don't know as a kid I found that fascinating yeah. and very informative no yeah you're absolutely right and um, that was just something that we were kind of talking about last night as we were watching it as well just like the yeah just the scope of like the British Empire and like the the people that live there and that are participating and, and just like even the women, cause it's one thing for them to be soldiers there. So you're like, it's wartime. So there's soldiers there representing these countries and all that. But Scott's like, but why are the, all these women there? And I'm like, well, they probably just live there. <laughs> but I kind of wonder if some of them were prostitutes possibly. Right. I mean, we are yeah. at Portobello road and they are kind of flirty with Emilius yeah. Brown and he's like, no way. And I was like, Oh wait, those might be prostitutes. Yeah. I didn't really realize that as a kid, but <laughs> oh, as an yeah. adult, I'm like, huh. 
cheeky. They're just like fancy lady dancers. And right. I think it's pretty – it kind of shows how talented the Sherman brothers are, that there's a lot going on in this scene, but it all flows together. Like there's a lot of different – there's a lot of things coming at you, but it all yeah. just flows as one song. Yeah. And just how it's arranged and yeah. choreographed I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And that also too is kind of why I, I thought as a kid that this movie was a little bit more like – for smarter kids you know because like in mary poppins it's like there's dancing but they're all like just chimney sweeps but like in this one they're like you know soldiers from around the world you know yeah kind of much more layered mm -hmm. yeah definitely so like you're getting this little like mini history lesson as, as you're as you're as you're watching it so that's kind of what that's how i saw it as a kid that was my interpretation there needs to be like a parade in disneyland that just recreates all of this That'd oh amazing. god, that'd be so amazing! We have to talk about the potential remake for this too, because you know that's going to happen. Oh, I have, someday. I have thoughts. We'll go into that. <laughs> yeah, I've already we'll cast it. We'll I've already there. cast okay. it in my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's let's power through this so we can get get to that section. Oh man! <clears throat> so they don't find the they don't find the other half of the book, but, but somebody finds them though when they're trying to look for the book because right. one of these mobsters. What is this? guy actually do that ends I, up having the other man. half they call him bookman yeah. and then he, that's like his henchman but I he's almost like understood. he almost like participates in like organized crime though he has all yeah. these henchmen that are just out on portobello road and one of them eavesdrops that they're looking for the other half of this book right and he ends up bringing them to their little bookshop by gunpoint Yes. yes. And I like the I like the image of the kids like rolling this bed down these stairs. Too. Yeah, they bring the bed with them, which I think is, you know, was end up being a very smart move. But well, yeah, they're mm -hmm. kind of like why did they bring the bed in? But just the this bed just like falling down these stairs. <laughs> they can't just leave it out parked on the street like they're going to and they're going to ticket. Look up the we get a ticket. We get ticket. Yes. The actor or toad, worse toad that plays this guy. He was a big he was a big character actor of at this time. Hold on. There's probably some sort of like uh, bookman. Probably means something more to you know. Well, he wants the we... same spell that she mm -hmm. wants, and we don't know why he wants it. And maybe I bet you this oh, that's is probably true. cut from the film. It's yeah. like get the backstory on what he wants it for. I it's forgot about that. And I take it that his intentions with it might be a little more sinister too. Yes. Um, exactly. So he's played by Sam Jaffe, who is a big character actor. He was in The Day the Earth Stood Still, Asphalt Jungle, and Ben Hur. He was nominated mm -hmm. for Best Supporting Actor for The Asphalt Jungle. So he was just kind of an old character actor. Interesting. That worked a lot in Hollywood. Okay. He was good in that. He was mm -hmm. creepy. Like, yeah. I remember being intimidated by him. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. So they – oh, yeah. And Paul has this children's book, yes. too, that he found in the house. And that's where they yes, end up escaping the, the to. I love this yeah. children's book, too. It looks so 70s, and it's not something that you would ever see in a children's no. nursery in the 40s. <laughs> No. Oh, he got it the, uh, in the abandoned house that mm -hmm. Doctor Brown is squatting in. Yeah. Okay. It's like a comic book almost. It's right. like a like it looks like a like a paper felt book that's been bound together. It's yes. But the illustrate but what yeah. the illustrations look like? Yes, they look like a storybook of a Disney movie that you Correct. would have had at the time. You know what I mean? Like you you just have this big like Jungle Book, you know. Disney's Jungle Book 
you know storybook and you open it up and it's these these big full page drawings like that. And it I reminded me of that. Paul ends up he recognized the star of Astaroth in his book. Yeah. And that's where they end up escaping to. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so the the thing is, it's in his book. He knows about it, but nobody's really nobody's taking Paul very seriously New. throughout this mm-hmm. movie. He's had he has some very important information, which we'll talk about later. But you know, we know that the star of Astaroth exists in the Isle of Nabubu, right? I yes. believe that's the name of it, and that that's where they need to go. So that's the book takes them there. Yeah. The so I, the Isle of Nabubu that is populated by all of like Robin Hood and his and his buddies. <laughs> The leftover mm. Robin Hood character. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually think this was before Robin Hood. I think it is because Robin Hood's like and they 73. And Disney at this time, animation was kind of going through a transition where they would mm-hmm. reuse a lot of their same character design because it was cheaper. Yeah. So yeah. All, of a lot these, of animals. all of these of characters animals. from the island of Labumbu ended up kind of getting recirculated. And I think that numerous Disney projects, one of them being Robin Hood. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the lion character is, is is Sir John or not Sir John, um um King John. King yeah. Um I mean he's basically King John with like more hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. kind of revisiting this movie throughout the years, I find I have the least amount of patience with the animated scenes. The soccer game is way too long. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it's way too long. So like they're kinda cute. I used to like them as a kid, but when I get older I just want to skip over it. <laughs> yeah. I usually skip through it. It's not my favorite part of the movie. Even as a kid I didn't love it. Which yeah. is interesting because I did like cartoons, but I don't know. I just you know, it's the Mary Poppins thing, you know, I, I do like that sequence as well, but it's that moment where kind of the younger kids get to kind of get into the story a little bit more, be entertained, yeah. you know, the parents can go to the bathroom, get concessions. I don't know. But it's just it's a little weak. Like it's, it's, it's very slapstick. Yeah. It's very, um, uh, I don't know. I n- never was my favorite part of the movie. And, and I also don't love the animation from that period from Disney. I find it a little mm-hmm. crude, you sure. know, sure. the drawings, not it was that a, great. It was the transitional repetitive. time in animation. We're going out of the golden yeah. age of animation from the jungle book. And we're going into like the dark period of the seventies where, uh, they, they, they weren't making as much money anymore. Right. Too. Okay. So they kind of uh, they had to. The that's why the productions weren't kind of as good. I think the uh, some of the stuff under the sea, beautiful briny sea. I think that that's sequence my favorite part is of charming. That. Yes. Yeah, yes. that sequence is charming. Um, yes. but the the soccer game. I mean, come on, it's sports. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're watching a we're watching this game in real time. It's a real time soccer. Game. I'm all about a marine ballroom scene. But yeah, once exactly. We get to the field, well, and See? they call it foot. They call it soccer. They do. Yeah, they football. call it soccer. Should be football, right? Yep. We're in England. I always yep. thought that was weird too. It was an American Indeed. studio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were just like nobody's going to get that. So, but I mean, so if if we all fast forwarded through it last night, we can fast forward. <laughs> so they end up getting the star, which is uh, over King John's or. Yeah, like King John's neck, and they ended up bringing it back with them to London. Or yes. no, to to the English countryside. Yes. But the star does not come back with them because the star is in animation, and the it didn't quite make the translation to live action. Nope. Yeah, it didn't, couldn't exist in both worlds. And she's okay with that because she's like, I kind of figured, you know. I mean, and then Paul kind of 
says the obvious that the spell is just in the back of the comic book <laughs> all the time. It was there the, the whole time, the whole time. They just like, would have listened to Paul about half the movie. Yeah, they just listened to Paul. Although it took him a minute, they like hit, fully were just like, "Give her some time. She's got to think." And he's like, "I know it." They're like, "Shut up." Um, it took him a Shut minute, up, yeah, to like finally throw the you know the comic book on the table and just be like. You mean this, dummies? Like well, he recites it. He recites the spell. <laughs> there you and go. And she's like, what did you just say? Yeah. And he says it. And she's like, that's it. Yeah. You know? And they have the spell. For substitutionary locomotion. That's a cool like, – yes. that's a cool – Traguna, McCoytis, Tricorum, Saint See, It's just amazing. You hear these things as kids and <laughs> you don't even need a cue. What you just know you? the word. Yeah. Because you can, so you can just chant it in the sing song. Yep. Because that's the thing is that she originally just says them and it doesn't work, but Emilius Brown says that you have to put some like pizzazz to it. You exactly. have to kind of sing it. Beat, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rhythm. You mind if I have a go? Oh, of course not. Now come along, you lot. We need all the help we can get. Traguna, Macquadis, Tracorum, Satis D. Traguna, Macquadis. Traguna, Tricorum satisti. When she's dancing around the shoes and she's like reciting this and she's like pointing down at the shoe and she's like singing that she looks so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's cool. She looks Damn so cool. cool. She's like dancing around it like in a circle and she's like pointing down and she's got like I mean we were talking about her outfit and uh how period accurate or not. Have you have you ever seen those videos on YouTube? I think that Glamour does them and they have like a fashion historian and they dissect movie costumes and they go into if Rose's outfit from the Titanic that she gets in the boat with is completely historically accurate, I think that they might have a few uh, problems with what Angela Lansbury is wearing in this movie. I mean, it's a wool it's suit. Borderline par- yeah, it's borderline Partridge family. I it mean, is. You really yeah, break it, is. it down. It's a know? little 70s. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It, it does remind me of like what of what the nuns would wear in my elementary school. Because they weren't wearing like full like black and white habits, they were just True. wearing like yes. very, you know, like set late seventies, early eighties nuns. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just like, like a vest and a blouse mm-hmm. and a skirt. A vest, you know? a blouse, and a skirt. That that was kind of their uniform. But yeah, her blouse was very like uh, very billowy, just, just blue song, you know. <laughs> like, and it was this cool lavender color. Mm-hmm. 
Um, just a cute little pencil skirt. Yeah, but it's just you know it's wool, and she's got like the matching coat. And is it tweed? I don't know. You can't tell. I couldn't even tell on our TV. I think it's like I think a it's tweed, just a, yeah. yeah, or this wool blend. Um, this is the outfit in that um, vibrating bed toy that we. <laughs> That we found oh yeah! Oh my god, that still blows me away, guys. I so, have never seen. So our friend Brian, who was just a guest on our previous hairspray episode, yeah. he knows a lot about this movie. So he he sent me little factoids about it. That's where I found out about some of like the Judy Carney casting. And there's like a recording of her singing this song that they recorded. And he showed me a picture of an action figure of Angela Lansbury on the bed. That bed, it said that it has like a special like uh, mechanism so it won't fall off the table. I mean, it's like a motel quarter bed. That yeah, quarter <laughs> and it vibrates. vibrates. I mean, basically, but, that's what they were selling. But yeah. how much <laughs> fun would you have had playing with that as a little kid? A Miss Price I just want to see what it does. Like, if I know, gyrating and then it kind of moves off the table. We'll like, post a picture doing? of it on our Instagram account, and I'm going to do some research to see how much this might cost on eBay if I were to buy it. it can't cost that much. I want to see if I can I get a hold of it. Either, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a. There's a bed knobs and broomsticks game, and it I don't know what it comes with, um, but every time I went onto YouTube and you just search bed knobs and broomsticks game, all that comes up is a is a football game. That's Weird. All that comes up is a soccer game, and I'm just like sifting, 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 and I'm just like, no, and I'm putting like board game, vintage, you know, bed knobs and broomsticks, vintage home game, yeah, nothing. So there's like all that exists is images and and links to eBay, but I couldn't find anybody. And that's a that's a big thing on YouTube is people playing old games, you know. And this was also a very trial and error time with movie marketing with products. Yeah. That they didn't always work. Yeah. That I feel like Star Wars really cracked that code of how you put movies in a uh movies in like toys. But I didn't know that they created them for this movie. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> this Eglantine. I'm just going to put it up to the camera so you can just see her one more time. I, I can't. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I'm dumbfounded. I, I, I've never, Self- ever seen that before. And I thought, I've seen a lot of things, guys. I've never seen that before. Self-propelled action bed. Moves in all directions. Changes direction on contact. Mystery action prevents bed from falling off table. Oh my goodness! Doesn't it do everything but fly? It says, or something, yeah. <laughs> which is what it's supposed to do. So does it sort of get wound up like does a every, race car that, like, fly? you kind of you drag it on the yeah, on the ground know. and then it goes? I don't know. I'd imagine maybe just a wind up kind of a thing, and it just vibrates like those hotel beds, like you were saying. Put a quarter in. Okay, bed knobs mm. and broomsticks game for two players. Ages 5 to 10. So if you have a third sibling, too bad. Fun and skill. Be the first person to balance your magic bed knob on top of your growing stack of bedposts. That tells me nothing. Okay. No. <laughs> so everybody gets a bed. So, okay, there's only two of you, and you each get a bed knob, and then you've got to stack bedposts. I don't know how you do that. But you can't let your bed knob fall. Fun and skill. I love that it's for two players only. Yeah. 
Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> this is for Paul and Charlie. You can take the bed. You can take the or you can take the couch. Yeah, Carrie. she. <laughs> that's another thing that I think is so weird. They make her sleep on the couch, and the boys get the bed. Get the bed. I thought so too. Well, I'm gonna let that go. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you could take the bed, Carrie. I'm like, oh my god, what a bitch! Like, <laughs> poor Carrie. I know she's the girl. She's the one girl. She has to sleep in this like weird couch. I did look up window. Thing. Cindy O'Callahan. She's the only one that continued to act. Right? She continued continued to act, and I believe that she was on EastEnders, okay. and that was yes. her only. That was kind of what she. That was her last big project, and that probably ended in like that- the late nineties. I want to say that there was a um, some sort of a um, screening of of Ben Ops and Broomsticks. I don't know if it was in England or not. It might have been. Might have been in New York. I'm not sure. Where all three kids showed up for it. Angela didn't show up, but she did like a pre message for okay. the screening. But all the kids got together, so you got to see them all, which was kind oh, of interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Didn't one of the Mary Poppins? Didn't the boy in Mary Poppins die? He died of like malaria, he did. drug overdose, or he would, I think he had a drug problem. No, I think it was. I think, I think that he, he got. I think well, the Peter Pan kid. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of him. Yeah, he definitely. Maybe I'm of him. I think yeah. that he passed away from like malaria or something. He just had like some what? Disease. Oh when wow! He was, I didn't when he was that. world okay. traveling, oh, yeah, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the actor who was Peter Pan, Bobby Driscoll, who was in a bunch of live action stuff as well. He, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Treasure Island. Yeah, yeah. He like went off and and like he was partying with like Warhol in the factory mm-hmm. for a while and everything. Really? Yeah. And then he cool. um was like so hard into drugs that he ended up dying and nobody knew about it because he was just like living like homeless in New York for like some And time. he was put in like a popper's grave. He was in too. a potter's field. And I Tom believe that claimed, and I believe that yes. the Disney company ended up reaching out and they actually got his body yeah, to did. be buried. They did. Wow. Because he's a oh. Disney legend. Mm-hmm. He is. That's the thing, though. Disney legend is like a... You... He won the kid Oscar. He did. Yeah. Do you know who the last person to win the junior Oscar was, Darren? Junior Oscar. Give me a year. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is probably early 60s. I can't remember what year. Probably Haley Mills. Yeah, it was, it was Haley Mills. Um, yeah. yeah. She said that she didn't even know that she won it. She. <laughs> I was reading an, an interview in Entertainment Weekly a few years ago where they're talking to her about this. Because they just did a little write-up on the Junior Oscar, and she says that they just sent it to her in the mail. Oh my god! And she wow. just found this like little Oscar, and apparently she had won. Huh? They She's need like, to thanks. They need to bring back <laughs> yeah. the Junior Oscar. She's like, I didn't even get to go to the Vanity Fair party. Thanks. I mean, I mean, the Baftas have the Rising Star Award. Can't they do that for the Oscars? Right. It'd be nice. I mean, but they should do it like as needed, right? Not just have it. They sure. would just have it every year if there's no if there's no kid that the Baftas yeah. have a rising star category every year. Oh, rising star is yeah. different. It's not mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, I can see that. We could do that. There'd be a lot of weirdos with rising star Oscars that just went nowhere, though. Well, yeah. Well, I kind of would love to see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay, so now we have the last like act of the movie. This is when it turns into like a 1950s creature feature where the Nazis are like the monsters. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like an episode of Hogan's Heroes, though, too, because they're kind of bumbling. <laughs> <laughs> I like that in at least our Blu-ray, they don't subtitle any of the German scenes. Was they it, don't. Was it before? Oh. There might be some cuts where it's subtitled. Oh, and I was also reading in the German release, they completely remove all the Nazi scenes. So I would be curious to see how <laughs> that version ends. Interesting. Yep. So well, they, they somehow cut it out. For me. Rabbit. 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> that, I learned that. And Hexen is Hexen, which. Because yes. they say those two words quite a bit. Yes, that's true. Did I know that Haas and Pfeffer meant rabbit from Looney Tunes? I might have been this. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of big white, like, magician rabbit that, like, that they, that uh-huh. they keep using in this movie. The red eyes. <laughs> With yeah. lovely pink eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a certain kind of rabbit. Like, they breed, like, just for magicians. Um. So yeah, so we use the spell, and she actually it actually does its job. So she ends up using it on all of the medieval armor. I love that when they introduce the kids that they're just climbing on all of this medieval armor. It's like yep. kids; those are antiques, and those are dangerous. It's not a playground. Carrie, get off. Carrie fully has like a spiked mace that she's like swinging at her <laughs> brothers that are climbing on this. Horse, I'm like that. Get off this instance! I'm like, oh my god, dangerous, grounded. (laughs) And then, but again, this scene, this scene again, another example of this movie. Like again, taking you on a history lesson of England. Every single piece that goes to war is a different era of British Mm -hmm. military. You know what I mean? Like, true, cool. Yeah, there's even like Viking like uniforms in there. Yeah, bagpipers. There's red coats. Yeah. There's like I'm impressed with know, the small town that managed to manages to have all this shit in their museum. They have a lot of shit, and then they go show the view when they're yeah. looking down. The it just keeps going, and there's like a five miles of 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 soldiers. You're like, those were all in the castle. Yeah, <laughs> maybe are like maybe people in like. Houses and stuff just have all of this, and they all just came together. Well, maybe the castle that is in this village is, was like super important. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. The, so the the museum is just really big. There's some beautiful it's mat loaded. work in this movie. Yeah. When they do uh, set extensions, they're matte paintings. Yes, some mm-hmm. of the yeah, some of the matte paintings are, are are really well done. And then you see Englantine riding in on her broomstick with the flag, which yeah. is one of my favorite parts in the movie. Really she cool comes shot at the end as they're scoping out. They were coming in on uh, the miles and miles of soldiers, and Angela arrives on her her steed, which the, is a broom. The broomstick, yeah. With the- I mean, this is some like support your support your country, like let's all band together and win this war. This is a lot of like n- nation pride. Like, do your part for your country, <laughs> even if it involves witchcraft. <laughs> Whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, seriously. this is her moment. Yeah, and um, there's some there's some crazy effects going on. I think they're using like every trick in the book mm-hmm. to get like these floating, you know, uh, suits of armor going. What do they call that? It's um. Oh, there's like a word of how they shoot these scenes. Um, hold on, keep going. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's like there's like some crazy marionette stuff. There's like guys in suits. There's like guys walking around. Uh, some of the suits of armor, you can see that uh, it looks like there's people in them, but then you know they'll, they'll have a helmet with no head inside. So they they're doing some really crazy stuff with like uh, the way they're building these on top of the stunt performers. Um, and uh, yeah, the German uh, soldiers are just kind of like. Shooting at these, mm-hmm. shooting at these like ghostly suits of armor. It's pretty spin well, them right back at them. It's pretty well done. Like it looks pretty it's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I love it. I just love all the costumes. I love. It's funny. It's like it's kind of like the, the better 
part of the movie where you have the slapstick and the comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of it, but because it's live action, it's and you have all the great costumes and the humor's pretty good. The way they kind of interplay between the the soldiers and the the Germans, you know, it's pretty great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, ultimately, the ghost army prevails, <laughs> but they not, do. but not before yes. the Germans blow a hole in Eglantine's. <laughs> House. What assholes, you know what I mean? Like, like what the you hell? know, things were going so well. Yeah. And then they had to do that. And I like that all of the um the townspeople, all of these old men that had fought in World War One that are like that are joining the troops, they're nowhere to be found. They're yep. the only people defending this town. They show up at the end and take credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we drove them away. You know, it's like, uh, okay, sure. These, like, uh, elderly senior mm-hmm. citizens, which I love. Yeah, yeah, these aren't, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if this was even, like, the Crimean War or something even. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they're they're old. Yeah, old. yeah, because like, even. World might be even more too generous. Because even mean, if I they were in, like, their but... 20s in World War One, they would just be in, like, their late 30s or 40s by yeah. World War Two. Yeah, it's true. Um, these 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 men are ancient; they're fossils. Uh, and they come and they come and uh, take all the credit for this. Take all the credit. Yeah, and uh, this is when Doctor Brown decides to join up and participate in the war effort. I mean, I guess he has to do his part. This like fifty eight year old man. <laughs> a little strange, right? Even as a kid, I was like. Is he too old to yeah. be doing this? <laughs> I'm like, isn't there something else he can do? Like, to be like a, you know, entertain the troops or something? No, nope, yeah, he's going yeah. in a uniform. That's probably what Emilius Brown would just end up falling into once he does join up. It would just be uh, like whatever to- they were doing in White Christmas. Some kind of USO yes. with whatever, like, USO for, uh, you know. For England, England. yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously, they have to take this show with Eglantine and just entertain the troops and do magic for everyone. No, but she's given up. She's no no longer That's kind of a bummer. I feel like watching it now, you're just like, oh, you're just going to give all of it up. She does. But you did some cool (laughs) – but you did some pretty cool shit though. Yeah, she did some cool shit. I think she did all. That's again what I think the reason, whole reason she did the witchcraft. I don't think was less for her own enjoyment and more for this particular cause. At least that's what I take away. And she did it. She was able to, like you know, send the Nazis away. I mean, this is obviously very early in the war, but you know, she was able to get them off off English soil, and she succeeded in that. And that was enough. You know, I don't know what she's going to do now. Raise the kids, I guess, but. But they still have that bed knob, though. So they do essentially That's have right. like their own airplane where they can go anywhere in the world, <laughs> which is That's pretty right. cool. Assuming it works. I mean, it was sparkling at the end, even though supposedly all her magic went away when they blew up her uh, her uh, her workshop. But, yeah, you know. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I guess they do still have that. I'm going to believe it works. Yeah. I'm going to believe mm-hmm. it works. And Paul just fucking runs upstairs, puts it on, and says, see you, bitches, and takes <laughs> off, goes to London I'm or out. Kathmandu, wherever the hell he wants to go. <laughs> Why with not? his bit of glass and string, you know? <laughs> Later, bitches. I like I'm it. out. Paul comes back like a teenager, just a changed, a changed boy. <laughs> a changed man. Yes. <laughs> Terry's like, who are you? So... With the advent of Disney Plus and of them looking for content, they're kind of throwing out all of these 
old properties. Like they're doing a Home Alone TV show, which I don't know why we need that, what? but they need no. to make a limited series, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> so I think cool. that for um, Eglantine, I'm going back and forth between Helena Bonham Carter and Kate Winslet. <laughs> I almost feel like Kate. I would like to see uh, Kate, Kate Winslet in the role a little more. Yeah, I think that would be a I – mean, listen, I like Helena Bonaparte. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think mean, we have the same birthday. Ooh. She, she's amazing. You know, there's a lot of stuff she does that I'm like, why do we cast her? Why do we cast her? Like, you know, she's done a couple <laughs> Angela parts. She's done, you know, she's, just love it. She's and played Witch okay, a lot. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I I love her. I just – I don't want to see her in another musical, to be honest with you. It's sure. not, not something I look forward to. I love her, but I don't know. Like Kate, never heard her sing. I think she'd be interesting. I don't know. I'm about Livia Coleman. Livia Coleman would be good. All right, all right. I see Mm -hmm. it. I don't know. She's more kooky. Yeah, a little weird. You know, could be cool. I don't. But I like the idea of a series because you could almost not remake this movie, but maybe instead each adventure is a different. You know, each episode is a different adventure. That's very smart. You could you could set up the kids and then. You don't even need the kids for the entire series. You could always introduce them later on. Sure. Or, uh, it could be like Murder, She Wrote, mm-hmm. where like, they just show up every few episodes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, right, there's kids. You know, Otherwise, she's off doing her thing. I think Tom Hiddleston would make a good Emilius Brown. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. okay. I see that. I see that. Yeah. There's so many people you would cast in this. That's the great part about, yeah. you know, the great thing about this this property is it's like it's so fun i mean that you could take these characters in so many different directions they didn't even do in this movie you know and, and put more context in the movie you know that they took out when they edited it down you yeah know? for sure all those sub characters and you know it could be really fun i hope they i really kind of hope they remake this one i think it would be neat to see it done today with the special effects capabilities we have now. Yeah. You know, I, I think it would be fun. There's something charming and wonderful about what we have here, and mm-hmm. it will never change, and a new version of it won't take that away from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like with something like Mary Poppins, people are so tied into Julie Andrews yes, as that character that it was just really, really difficult for people to accept anybody else in the role. That's hard. It's kind of like The Sound of Music, too. It's yeah. like any time a version of The Sound of Music, you just cannot see it without Julie Andrews. And that's something about Julie Andrews and yes. just the, those two pieces of work she did back to back that were so iconic. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's amazing. It's not saying that Angela's performance in this isn't good. I just don't think you, you know, she's iconic as Jessica Fletcher. Mm-hmm. It'd be like having mm-hmm. someone try to play Jessica Fletcher. Yeah. And know, they almost tried her. that a few years ago. They were going to be doing a Murder, She Wrote reboot with Octavia Spencer, and it just didn't go anywhere. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Forgot it would have. <laughs> I mean, of course it would have worked with Julie Andrews as this title character. Sure. That would have been it very been different. interesting, It would have been different, though. Yeah, to have those two movies, you know, these two Julie performances, these two separate characters. Yeah, it would have been something. Now, like, wasn't Julie Andrews doing some interesting movies in the early 70s is that when she did torn curtain with paul newman i think she did that maybe that was early 70s it was at least after mary poppins and sound of music i know that she started to go in kind of a more you know what i've read about her experience at that time is she got so stereotyped and you know cast as like this kind of goody goody sweet nanny you know things that she wanted to really break out of that and show her range so she was going after things that were a little more controversial a little more adult i mean mm-hmm. she did like thoroughly modern millie of course and stuff like that but and star but 
I, you know, she started doing, you know, I think she was topless in a movie. Yeah. yeah. I think SOB or something. Didn't she do mm-hmm. that? And she did her, she did, um, well, Victoria, of course, yeah. is really cool. Um, 10, you know, she did some stuff oh, that was a little bit more adult than you kind of expected from her, from her 60s stuff. Now, did you like Mary Poppins Returns? Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I, I felt Same. like, I thought it was charming. I thought it was well done. I thought she did a great job of kind of doing something with that character without doing an imitation of her. Right. But, you know, this, it was very, again, if you want to talk about paint by number, I feel like that movie kind of took Mary Poppins and went, these are the plot points we yes. need to hit. And yes. we're just going to mm-hmm. turn, we're going to change the setting, change the situation, change the character slightly. But it's going to have the same, like you have your Burt character, you have your animated sequence character, animated sequence. You have all these different things than the man who's kind of like lost and doesn't remember his childhood. You know what I mean? You have these different things and it was just kind of like a remake Yeah, with just set forward, you know, you know, 20, 30 years. A remake. I agree. Mm -hmm. I was going to say a remake and I didn't really care for any of the songs too. I think Mark Shaman did the songs, I think. Yeah, I just thought they were fine. But then I guess the Sherman Brothers are pretty hard to compete with, though. It's hard. I mean, Mary Poppins is such a special movie. You know, I mean, it's it's so unique. It's so... uh, um, I mean, I could do a podcast about that. I mean, it, it, you know, as an adult watching that movie is so different from when I watched it as a kid. I cry when I watch that movie now as an adult, you know, because I'm more relating to the dad yeah. the character than I did yeah. was the kids. And it's... It's so amazing you can watch a movie, you know, so many years later and have such a different experience and yet have it still be so powerful. And that's something about that movie, you yeah. know, that that does that. It's really going to be ever – it's just – it's hard to recreate that magic, you know. I feel like with this movie they could do that because I don't think it has as much of a sentimental value to people mm-hmm. um, and might actually bring something new to it that wasn't accomplished in that version. In the in this version we're talking about, mm-hmm. so I'm hopeful they do something with it. I would love to see that. I heard they were doing a musical theater version. Of, I read that uh, like too. Stage I'm curious of what the state of that now is. If it just is. didn't happen or what? Yeah, I was reading on Wiki 2020, so I don't know. Okay. Oh, for a Ben and Brooms mm-hmm. stage show? Yeah. Oh wow! I mean, the Anastasia stage show in New York was very successful, so I could see that yeah. maybe working for Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Yeah. It could. It just depends on how they do it. You know, I mean, it, I mean, the music is, is fun. It's not the strongest score ever, yeah, but, yeah. um, it, it's a lot of magic. That's why I'm really curious to how they're going to do it live on stage. I, I'm interested to see yeah. what they do with that, but I'm intrigued. Why not? Yeah. Well, there was a Mary Poppins stage version of the movie, right? There was, yeah. yeah. And they did some magic stuff, but you know, they also scaled it back. I mean, not scaled it back, but they, they, I think they went more with the book than the oh. actual movie i mean obviously the movie aesthetically drove it Mm -hmm. but they changed the characters you know like the suffragette stuff was gone which i love you know that's my favorite one of my oh yeah linus johns in that movie and they turn the mother they change the mother becomes kind of boring to me it's more about like her not connecting with the kids either and yeah she does spoonful of sugar i think with them like if i remember but it it's um it it was you know the whole animated sequence was now in a park and like all the 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 statues come to life, which was weird and creepy because they were naked. <laughs> um, you know, there's just a, there was some stuff that was a little bit more of the book and very British because yeah. Cameron McIntosh did it. it. It felt less more like the movie and more like the story. And Cameron I think McIntosh did Les Mis, right? Of the movie, but yeah, yeah, he did Les Mis, right? 
He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did Les Mis. He's produced a lot of stuff, but um, Les Mis is, and Miss Saigon, I think, or, you know, and I think Phantom. He did Phantom too. He didn't direct it, but he produced it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens if uh, 2020 ever ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, yeah, if it ever happened. Yeah, I mean, pretty much on hold. Yeah. Know, TBD. Yeah. We'll see. Like everything else. Oh, God. <laughs> So this, we'll, this movie actually fits this time. I mean, talk about a you know a time where no. a lot of uncertainty and not sure what to do, and you know, no. you kind of figure shit out for sure. We're all picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. So, Darren, you'd appreciate yeah. this on a deleted scene of a song that they cut. There is a um, a number that Ms. Price sings called "Nobody's Problems for Me," where she sings about her realizing how she's cut people off emotionally. Huh. In her house, so they do address it in the movie, but it just ended up getting cut out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see that. I feel like you know she's very cold in the beginning, and she definitely warms up. At, you know, she cares about what she cares about. You know, yeah. what I mean, and the kids are in the beginning of the movie the least of her priorities. You know, she she's, has her mindset on one thing, and that's the spell, becoming a witch, and saving England. You know, yeah. ending the war. And, and she you didn't know, think she that she would be a mother. Priorities change throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sort of discovers. Her joy of taking care of these kids through their adventures. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. she, it, she humanizes a little bit. She comes a little out of her shell and a little out of herself, you know, and and realizes that she can give something to other people outside of you know just her own whims. You know, she could be a loving mother, perhaps, because yeah. I'm assuming she adopts the kids at the end. That's what it seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. Interesting. Wow. I think that we really outdid ourselves on the show <laughs> that we did a full FaceTime call about Angela Lansbury. That's pretty gay. I mean, come it's on. It's really gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but important and necessary, yes, everybody. Yes. She's still with us, and we got to appreciate our true. treasures while we have them. This you know? is true. Oh, I didn't, I didn't uh, give my pick for my live-action remake uh, choice. Yes, I, I please. I mean, I know it's super, it's super on the nose, but I really, I really like Olivia Coleman. I really like Kate Winslet. I think I kind of brought her up the first time around when we were initially talking about this. Now, I know my, I know this choice might be super on the nose, but what about, um, what about Aunt Zelda from, from the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Oh, sure, yeah. Oh yeah, what's her name? <laughs> Miranda <laughs> Otto, no, no, Caroline no. something. Oh sure, who is no, on, from the new Sabrina on Netflix? Who was on Who's on The Office? No, she. Yes, yeah, she was on the Office. Mm-hmm. She was oh, on the, the office new UK. version. Okay. Lucy, Lucy new Davis. Version. Yeah, so. it is Lucy Davis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you watched the Lucy Have you watched the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? It's cute. not the new one. No. Mm-hmm. no, this is the one with um, what's her face from Mad Men, right? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen this version yet. It's I heard fun. it's really good though. Yeah, yeah. So I know it's a little on the nose because she plays a witch, but yeah. I, I could also see Miranda Otto. I could see Miranda Otto. Doing I think that it, she yeah. kind of fits the bill a little more as Miss Price. Sure. Okay. I like it. Well, we, either of the ants from the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Those are it's those are my. Going to be a it's going to be a race for England time. I Just wait. know. It's I mean, all we're saying, <laughs> Disney <laughs> Plus, contact us. We have some ideas. We've got. To, we have ideas, and we've like got plenty consult. of time. <laughs> we can we can do story treatments. Yes, we could do a whole pitch for you I mean, when this is all over. This is true. Yes. We all we still have our our Empire Records sitcom just waiting. We've got twelve episodes, mm. almost almost completely written. <laughs> oh 
Oh boy. This That's was, another good one. Yeah. Uh, this was a lot of fun. It was. It was <laughs> Thanks, good to, guys. It was Thanks good for, to catch up with you. Thanks for lighting up my, my day. Yeah. My, my weird times. Day here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, jo- thanks for joining us on uh quarantine edition <laughs> of movies that made us gay. This was so much fun. And also, this is the oldest movie I believe we've done on the podcast. Oh, I think we lost him again. No, I'm here. Oh, oh you're here. Okay. <laughs> we thought it froze. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay, I'm cool. Technology. I know. It's so weird. We'll cut that bit. I'm here. Well, is there anything that you've been like working on? Any new hobbies? <laughs> have you have you like taken up knitting? I wanted. Oh my God, right now I'm just trying to make sure my company doesn't go under. I mean, I've been working harder than I've worked in a long time, just right. because mm-hmm. I've had to adjust to kind of being at home and like rallying right. around, you know, the business we have and finding new ways. Because you know, I'm a magazine editor and you know, a local magazine right now, yeah. considering we support a community that's suffering, is is tough. But I feel like there's a purpose for us right now to be a voice and a, mm-hmm. you know, have a lens into what's going on. So there's that you know but you know we'll get through it it's just it's challenging it's tough and um i'm just trying to vary my day as much as possible try to get out of the house yeah, and for get sure. some fresh air mm-hmm. and take a walk while being safe and you know of course put on some murder she but, wrote yeah and i'm watching a lot of murder she wrote. pour a oh glass of wine <laughs> which one are we watching? Yeah, oh we're watching night, one with the baroness from we're watching one with the Baroness from The Sound of Music, Eleanor Parker, and she plays... Oh, which, which season? I, I think this is, that. like, season three, and she plays okay. a stage actress that uh, her understudy is murdered by a prop. Like, they put some, like, poison in mm. a glass of wine on stage, and she drinks it and dies. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Linus Johns was on last night, so ooh. she plays, like, a... It was very different for her. She played kind of like a dresser. It was, you know, I always think of Glynis Johns being kind of like this glamorous, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, like I think of the ref and, you know, Mary Poppins and you know, <laughs> music. And she played this kind of like more like dour kind of um, like, like a dresser for Angela Lansbury's cousin's character. Huh. And, you know, it was, it was funny to see her in such a different part, but all the people that are the Broadway people that are coming out of the woodwork for these early episodes is so much fun. And Beer people wine. that Angela played opposite mm-hmm. like Len Carrieu and like, you know, all these people, it's so fun. Uh, Barry Williams from the Brady Bunch showed up on an episode we were watching today. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he Amazing. <laughs> Good old Greg Brady. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so go out and uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Prime. It's on Amazon. Yep, Prime. it's on Prime. First few seasons are free, so. and it's Highly pretty suggested. much always on the Hallmark Channel at night. <laughs> this true. is true. It's on Hallmark Hallmark Channel a lot. So go out and watch yourself some Angel Lansbury, everybody. Wow! Thanks for coming on, Darren. Yeah, thank you guys. So Thanks for having me again. Fun, of course, and listeners. Thank you for listening. You can find us wherever you uh, find podcasts, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud. No, not SoundCloud. uh, Spotify. That's what I'm thinking of. But when you're on iTunes, give us five stars. Give us five stars. I also want to mention that we did a vote on our uh, Instagram last week of... Uh, voting on the next movie and then the winner was Single White Female. Oh yeah. And we're going to hold off for a few weeks doing Single White Female. It is on the way. So I would probably say in two, three weeks at most we will have the Single White Female episode. Yes, but it's definitely coming at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find us on social media. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay on Facebook and Instagram and at MTMUG Pod on Twitter. 
And we also have a fun vote on an actress coming up in April. We're going to do a fantasy bracket of, I'll just say it, of the career of Kirsten Dunst. So we're going to... It's her birthday month. We are going to go through Kirsten Dunst and her filmography. We've done two Kirsten Dunst movies, and we're going to nail it, narrow it down to kind of one that her we're going to review. Movie. Mm-hmm. And so, we'll, so that'll be coming up your way pretty get soon. Get on our Instagram and you can check that out in our stories. Yes, indeed. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another fresh episode. Stay safe. Stay self-quarantined. Stay inside. Bye. Bye. Bye.